Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. But Monday, and it feels like a perpetual Monday. And I've said before, I've told you guys before, I do think a Tuesday is the worst day of an average week, but especially this week for me, as I am now back from Las Vegas, my nine-day, I believe, journey in Las Vegas. But not for fun, had some fun, but not for fun for you guys, for work purposes. Covered the Shrine Bowl, a couple of Mountaineers there, also a couple of Pitt and Penn State players there, a part of our college side of our Sports Now family of networks. Of course, I'm Mike Oste here for a Mountaineer live chat edition here on WV Sports Now. So covered the Shrine Bowl, as I said, Bryce for Wheaton, Dante Stills. They made their presence felt, to say the very least, and also then lingered on to cover Geno Smith. An alum, an illustrious alum, a WVU Sports Hall of Famer now, as he appeared in his first Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl games, not like it was before, but his first Pro Bowl, a remarkable season for him, 4,000 plus in terms of yards passing, franchise record for the Seattle Seahawks, which is crazy, with who has been a quarterback there in the past, Warren Moon, Russell Wilson, forget what you say about him now, but had some good years there. And replacing Russell Wilson, but still getting Seahawks into the postseason. I don't think anybody thought they were going to get there. Got 30 touchdowns through the air, even one on the ground. Did it with his legs as well, which we really haven't seen at all from him in the NFL. So since back in the West Virginia days. And did it as his first full-time season as a starter in almost a decade, since 2014. And, and a season that included an eight- or nine-week stretch. You could even argue more, because I believe he actually did tie an NFL record owned by Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning, and now Geno Smith of 11 consecutive weeks with a passer rating at one level and a completion percentage at another level. So he was efficient all the way through. Dipped off at the end, but he got his sunset few-day period, his sunset weekend in Vegas. He, he enjoyed it, I'll tell you that for sure, uh, on his first Pro Bowl appearance. And I think he thinks he's going to get more Pro Bowl appearances and I don't see any reason why he stopped spinning it because he really has a touch with that ball that we've also not seen since West Virginia didn't even really see during his time as a starter with the Jets early in his career. But I wanted to offer this moment to be able to kind of discuss what I noticed the Shrine Bowl, what I saw from the Pro Bowl, and then we can certainly talk anything else as well. The chat lines are open. Feel free to chat along. Feel free to join me. Feel free to ask questions because again i did have boots on the ground at both of those two events including a lot of practices interview sessions etc at the shrine bowl and pro bowl in las vegas for what feels like forever i, I was ready to get home uh, <laughs> at a certain point and that that vegas to east coast flight especially when you have to go to la before you get back to going east uh, it's a rough one no matter how many times you do make those type of journeys but Chat lines are open, so feel free to chat along. I'll talk basketball, too, if you want to ask me a basketball question. Obviously, the Mountaineer basketball program coming off their biggest win, or not biggest win, but best performance. I'll give you that. Not biggest win, obviously. They've had ranked wins, but best performance of the season. Certainly best performance by Eric Stevenson, and they need to keep on doing that, by the way. That, that's great, but they need to keep on doing it because schedule's tough, and they got to get more victories overall, but... Lenardi has them back firmly in the NCAA tournament as a 10 seed after they were out a week or so ago, but still 
clinging on there. The computers love them even when they don't win because it seems like the computers are recognizing how freaking tough the schedule is. But of course, they've lost some games they shouldn't have lost and there was no business losing five in a row to start conference play, etc. We've talked about it before. It's still on the channel. It's out there on the site. Ethan will tell you about it too with his coverage. He is our basketball beat writer. But for this purpose, I do want to recap the Shrine Bowl and Pro Bowl. So I will start with the Shrine Bowl. And Dante Stills, Bryce for Wheaton, they were in Vegas. Talked to him both a couple times. Dante a lot more. He was a little bit more of a presence there. I will say Bryce was there, but he wasn't as accessible uh, to my, not only just myself, but but pretty much many of us in the media as well. And it's not that he didn't talk to us, but he wasn't as out there in your face. I'm looking to talk and showing up everywhere he could talk. But that's just Dante's personality. Bryce a little bit more low key. But Dante Stills, and, and I wrote about this and talked about this on NFL platforms and when it wasn't just about my coverage of the Mountaineers and on other people's shows, et cetera, about a player that stood out overall during Shrine Bowl week. And yeah, there are others around the country. Zay Flowers, A.T. Perry, those are going to be ones that people will bring up. I, I could say, you know, a few others as well. But and, and PJ Mustafer, by the way, for, for Penn State fans, I think he definitely had a solid, solid week. And, and Bill Belichick agrees. He gave him a lot of one on one time, and a lot of that was complimentary, but also kicking him in the pants. But that's great when you got Bill doing it. That's obviously a compliment in and of itself. But Dante Stills stood out. He was one of the guys overall that stood out. And it wasn't always that he was dominating on the field, he just stood out because he's just a personality. He's just a presence. In fact, he stood out as a personality so much that a WWE, and I am not making this up, a WWE scout was there. That's a fact. I talked to him, a pro wrestling fan. I just, you know, kind of intrigued. You're there. I'm watching to see which one of these guys is going to make it, who's going to make it, who's looking good, evaluate the guys that I covered, of course. He's looking to see who's not cutting it. <laughs> so imagine those awkward conversations when he goes up to somebody, and I don't know if he went up to Dante or not, but he asked me, just passing, didn't even get to know yet that I covered West Virginia early in the conversation. Hey, knowing I know college football, obviously, who's that guy smiling? Who's that guy always smiling? Who's that guy with that big smile? He's so loud with the West Virginia helmet on, the country road West Virginia helmet on, because by the way, he, I guess he knew that it's popular uniform and he had to distinguish Bryce wore the regular traditional Mountaineer old golden blue and Dante wore that country roads lid. And he didn't know. It didn't seem much else about Dante, but that popped loud, smiling, obviously athletic. And he was showing his power during Shrine Bowl practice, at least on this day. He did have a couple days where he had to kind of pick up steam. It looked like on a couple days where maybe he lost some one-on-one -on -one battles with blockers, but then was able to regroup and really dominate after that. Again, a great week for Dante overall. But on this day, he was really showing the power. And I laughed and said, that's Dante Stills. I'm actually covering him. I'm actually on the West Virginia football beat, uh, amongst what else I do. And you know, he's a legend of the program, tackle for loss, record, all-timer for a program as old as WVU, 15th winningest program. He got it. They didn't win as much as maybe he would even like, obviously, certainly in recent years, but he was a leader of that defense, talked about his brother, 
and Darius as well. And Darius didn't get drafted, tried with the Raiders, got hurt. He's now on a USFL team. We went into all of that. And I did also tell him that, hey, I'm sure this will be a little bit of a compliment just off his personality and maybe what you think of him if he doesn't have a chance at the NFL at some point in the future. Or maybe if he ends up in a situation like Darius where unfortunate circumstances make it harder to have that NFL career. But I think he's going to have a shot. He's looking good now. He stayed longer than maybe he even needed to to really fine-tune his craft. A lot of questions around Dante. He did tell me. A lot of NFL teams, coaches, and scouts were telling him, hey, why did you linger? Why were you there five years? This team wasn't any good after a while. You, you were going to get a chance here last year. Why did you keep on staying? You're risking injury, and then this would obviously not be a situation for you and, and would hurt your chances. And I'll tell you what he, <laughs> how he answered that in a moment. But just on the WWE note, it was just kind of funny because it's a compliment. But I do 100% believe Dante is going to have a shot at making an NFL roster. I believe he's going to get drafted. Yeah, we're probably talking later rounds. But there's a lot to like about Dante Stills, especially for teams that need a D lineman. And a lot of teams need a D lineman, by the way. Again, another team that's, you know, in our purview, the Steelers in that region that I've certainly covered for many years and, and still discussed. They they kind of do. I'm not saying they're going to go Dante in early rounds here, but they kind of do. So that was funny. So he stood out. Dante still stood out personality-wise. He impressed WB scouts, and it wasn't like they were saying he sucks on the field. They, they saw that he popped. They probably really, you know, it was kind of like, ah, I hear you. And Dante, I actually jokingly said that to him, hey, a WB scout was asking about you, and he said, hey, I don't want to talk to him right now. Uh, you know, I got my mindset on the National Football League. If it doesn't work out, maybe, but he's talking years from now. So Dante is going to give it a go in the NFL. I truly believe he's going to make it in the NFL, and I think he has the, the mindset, the personality, the mentality, the maturity, all of that. He told me he wasn't gambling, wasn't having any fun. I probably had more fun than him, and I was exhausted and working a lot when I was there, so I wasn't having the fun that I normally would if you're going on a you know just a fun trip or a bachelor party or something like that, or on or maybe on past trips that I've been on. But Dante stood out personality-wise. He stood out athletically. He stood out to WWE, but he also, of course, stood out to NFL teams and scouts. He talked to the Steelers. He talked to the Giants. He talked to the San Francisco 49ers. He talked to the Cardinals. I wrote about this in WVSN. Those are teams that he really told me about, that they stood out in particular. The Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Giants, though, those were the top three. I threw the Steelers in there. He did talk to them. But the others were the top three that he felt really had showed an interest in him as well. So that was interesting especially when you look at a team like the Niners, look at that defense. I mean, they don't necessarily need defensive help. That's probably certainly a later on situation if they would look at him, but they, they you know, you fit into that system, you're going to be in a great spot. So if he somehow would get there, that's a recipe for success. They don't need defense as much though, as the other teams Cardinals needing it the most for sure. They're the worst of the three. Of course, the giants also made the postseason, and the Niners went on that deep run prior to getting into the Super Bowl as they end up losing to Philadelphia in the conference championship game. But again, Dante, just the ability to also be mature that again, as I said, he had a bad day at practice or a bad moment or two at practice. I believe it was the third day of practice where, and I might even have a video of this, I believe throughout the series and WVSN on our YouTube channel where he, he was losing one-on-one -on -one battles, a couple of them in a, in a row. You could tell he was frustrated. Dante's not used to losing one-on-one -on -one battles probably hasn't happened since before high school or maybe when he was younger to his older brother, to be honest with you, certainly not recently. 
and Atlanta Falcons coach. They're one of the coaching staffs that were there was the Falcons and the Patriots that were there. The Falcons involved a lot with Dante. They, they pulled him aside and, and kind of gave him some pointers, gave him some tips there, and he was able to regroup. And then the next one out, it's on the video too, just popped. Looked like it clicked for him right away. And that he was the Dante Stills at his best that West Virginia fans can remember and are going to remember for a while. He was that beast. So it shows, number one, he's willing to take coaching. Number one, he, <laughs> number two, he's, he has the great, great attitude. So all of this actually could be number one. Dante Stills is willing to take coaching. He has a great attitude. He has the right mindset, and he has the ability to learn plays, to be able to handle one-on-one battles. He matches up size-wise. He has that muscular build, maybe even a little more muscular build than Darius. Darius was, I don't want to call him chunky, but he was a little bigger, a little thicker than Dante. Maybe Dante's in better shape. I don't know if that was something that led Darius not to be drafted. He had injuries, which hurt him after not being drafted, but he wasn't drafted. People thought he was a slam dunk to get drafted. That might be a concern about Dante here. But Dante has been able to have the leadership of Darius still helping him out, uh, of others really taking him under their wing. They, they seem like they want Dante to have this success, even if, say, others did not. The past Mountaineers that have been through this process, again, namely his brother. So uh, Dante has it all. I mean, he has it all. This will be the first time in his life he'll play for a team not from West Virginia. Obviously, there's no West Virginia NFL team. He's going to have to move finally. Um, but he, he's a mature guy, and he has the ability. He really, really, really does. Like, he can get to the ball. He can get to whoever. He has the speed and athleticism, and he was the talk of the town in Vegas. Again, Mike Osti here, WV Sports Now. Find our site, find our coverage. It's all about the Mountaineers and it's all about my time in Las Vegas this past week. It felt like forever. It now still feels like I'm almost there mentally a little bit. Um, giving you 80% of Mike Osti is still better than most, I'm going to tell you. But I wanted to do this for you for sure. You can also find my Mike Drop podcast, by the way. I'll promote it here individually too, as I can throughout the Sports Now Network. On the Believe Network, you can find that anywhere you get your podcasts. Search Mike Drop, surf throughout the Believe platform, search my name, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Talk more than just the Mountaineers there, but a lot of West Virginia, of course, because I do cover, again, WV Sports Now. And also subscribe, bottom of this video, if you are watching on our West Virginia Sports Now YouTube channel. Definitely give us a, a click there. It's easy. It's free to do so. There's nothing that costs you in terms of subscribing. So go ahead and subscribe there as well as anything I do individually and find out and follow me at Mike Osti 11 there, as you see in the lower third. So in addition to Dante, though, because Dante stood out. I mean, Dante did. Regardless, even if I cover West Virginia or I don't cover West Virginia, Dante stood out. A lot of people were bringing up Dante. I was getting a lot of questions about Dante. And he's going to have an NFL chance. So WB, it's a compliment in a way, but that's not going to happen right now. But I wouldn't, you know, two, three years from now, if the NFL career goes like, say, it did for Darius and it doesn't go anywhere, I 100% would think that could make sense. He has the personality. Uh, he he really does. He has the personality who who can do that, um, but he would need some some tuning. But as far as the NFL, I think it actually could happen, happen for him. But Bryce for Wheaton was also there. So Bryce for Wheaton... Un, well, in a way similar to Dante. Dante and Bryce Ford Wheaton, both this past season, their numbers maybe weren't what people thought they would be. 
especially especially Dante's numbers dipped a little bit from the year earlier, but he was dealing with double teams. And that's when I explained a lot of people there. You can't look into that. He was dealing with double teams more and more as the season goes by. He arguably was actually even better. You, you could say for what he had to deal with. And maybe that helped prepare him for the NFL that he wouldn't have had that experience. Had he actually gone out for the draft and forgone his final couple seasons, even this last year. So all those years at WVU in a way, now that he did get through him healthy, good for Dante because he was able to deal with double teams all the time. So that's something that maybe he'll see more in the NFL. He's certainly not a star right now, so maybe he won't see it right away. But that's a good experience that he had to deal with, and it made his stats dip, but I think he made him a better player. As far as Bryce for Wheaton, again, people also thought his numbers, I don't want to say dip because they're basically the same, but they didn't go up. Okay, Winston Wright Jr. gone. It was the Bryce for Wheaton show. He was the clear number one at West Virginia this past season. And the first couple weeks of the season, as everyone knows, two touchdowns in both of those two games. They didn't win him, though. That was when JT Daniels was playing well as well. They actually developed a chemistry early on. JT would eventually get benched. He's since transferred. The offense eventually would calm down. Obviously, Graham Harrell's gone. You didn't get probably what you thought you'd get out of him. The team became a running team, and it was just all on the ground whenever they actually did move the ball offensively, including with the quarterback play of Garrett Green. That maybe also hurt Bryce because it became much less of a throwing offense. Bryce for Wheaton wasn't able to take the top off the defense or use his ability as much because it was really ground and pound the last few weeks of the season for, for sure, to say the least. I mean, it's 150 plus yards when they're winning games for the Mountaineers at the end of the season. And we're not talking spread offense excitement of Pat White. It was just, it was just a run, more of a running team. And even with Graham Harrell, they did a lot of running early in the season, but he was really able to involve himself with more of that traditional QB of JT a little different. He did dip a little bit, with Garrett Green and then when Nico was in there. But the numbers aren't bad. It doesn't, I don't want to paint a picture that Bryce Wheaton sucked in, in his last year. He's still very, very good. I believe off the top of my head, he was still putting over 600, 600 plus yards on the ground, seven touchdowns, which, yeah, that's only three of them after week two. Cause again, he had two in the first two games and he had about 100 yards in those first two games each as well. So he really was big. Those early games had drop issues. It goes to the brawl, of course. If you didn't win those games, his numbers then did dip. So a lot of questions were, why did his numbers dip? What happened? I had to go into the whole thing about the running game. Because, again, I think Bryce was still getting open. He calmed down his drop issues. But why did those creep up in the beginning of the season, despite the greatness of those games as individual performances? Why were there drops from him? Because you're evaluating him as an individual. It doesn't matter team win or lose, even though they didn't win those games, oddly, when he was at his best last season. But also, it's the Shrine Bowl, and maybe more than Dante, he needed to really show that he's just as good as Zay Flowers. He's just right up there with A.T. Perry, that he can hang with Mitchell Tinsley, who's maybe a lesser-known receiver. He's a Penn State guy who got a late invite to the Shrine Bowl and was able to show his speed, that he has the speed of Mitchell Tinsley, that he has the size of the others, that he can do it for 50-50 balls, and then he can extend, and he can beat separation, and he can he can beat his man, and he can get separation and get open. And I honestly believe, especially early in the Shrine Bowl week, early in practices, he showed all of that, but you're also not going to see that from the numbers. Because the weirdness thing about Dante's experience at the Shrine Bowl, and I don't know why this was, maybe it was confidence in coaching staff where they're trying to highlight others, because in the pecking order, of course, there are others. I mentioned them again. Zay Fowlers would be that guy that were – 
And A.T. Perry had the most targets in the Shrine Bowl game itself, despite him not having a reception, by the way. So there were other guys that it seemed like they were all trying to quarterbacks, whoever were trying to take care of and get the ball. And this was also a Shrine Bowl class that didn't have an elite QB. There's no Kenny Pickett there. And he was at the Senior Bowl last year, not the Shrine Bowl. But th- there, there was there was no top dog. It's a weaker quarterback class in general, honestly. I don't know any from the Senior Bowl. They were popping either in Mobile around the same time frame. So maybe that hurt him. Who knows? Of course, the difference of QB play certainly affected his game this past Mountaineer season, depending on the QB, the style of the QB. I think that definitely affected Bryce. That kind of was similar to what happened at the Shrine Bowl. So that's a ding on him as well. But he was able to, what he did show, which was a positive, despite not always getting the looks, he certainly can get separation off elite corners because you're dealing with a lot of just, you know, more wide open defense in the Big 12. He got got to face a lot of SEC corners that really are tight and really play that man-to-man, that that press man that is tough for somebody not used to it. And Bryce admitted to me, not used to press man. Didn't feel he dealt with press man before. Uh, Telling colleagues about this interview, many of them were surprised. How how did he never dealt with press man? You know, his Big 12's open defense. Obviously, people joke about the Big 12 defenses over the years, but never at any time were you dealing with press man. According to Bryce Fort Wheaton, he hadn't seen press man before the Shrine Bowl week. So I actually think him being there was a major plus. He was able to deal with press man. He was able to see press man. He was able to to learn press man. And I actually think, even though, again, the numbers aren't there because he didn't get that many receptions in terms of that many targets either, by the way. But he was able to get separation. He was able to get himself open. He was able to go on a deep route. He was able to get open there. He was able to show his speed. He was able to curl back around if it was a shorter shorter route. He was able to run the route tree, although he also told me he didn't feel his route tree was as advanced as some of the SEC receivers in particular. So say what you want about that. I don't know if that's a dig at the WVU program or what. I kind of took that to me. Even in practice, you never saw press man. You never, you're not really, you're, you didn't, I don't know, you didn't, you didn't think you saw uh, these elite elite style corners. You didn't think you saw corners as good as what what you're seeing here now. You did, not even at your practice. Obviously, the Mountaineer defense last year is something we desired, but the prior years w- was very very good. Maybe not in the secondary. And then press man new for you, but again, he, he got to learn it though. So if that's I'm taking my word. And so if he know it, never dealt with press man before, I think he did okay with it for sure. Certainly first go. He was able to beat the, the man-to-man. He was able to show his speed, and he was able – it looked like he could handle 50-50 balls if they were there. Now, the plays weren't always drawn up for him, but I'm watching him, and it looked like he could have been able to catch some of these if they did go his way. He was able to get open at times, and he also is a solid blocker, which I think is really underrated about Bryce's game. And we've seen highlights of that even at WVU. He will lay out. He can, he can block with the best of them. Not a lot of receivers can or even want to do that. He was willing. So he was willing to do whatever it took. That's Ryan Bull week. Again, I didn't talk to him as much as Dante, but that's just his personality. And he dealt with press man. He dealt with elite, elite style corners. He dealt with a lot that he admitted he didn't have to deal with during his time at West Virginia. So I do think all of that's a major plus. All of that's really good for Bryce Ford Wheaton. Where will he go in the draft? Who knows? Again, there's always going to be receivers that teams are going to want to be taking. There are several receivers that have a name, that have recognition, that really, really performed at the college level, better numbers than Bryce, maybe dealt with more, especially what he's what he's admitting he hadn't dealt with. But he has the size. 
He has the size to make up for it. I don't know if that's also what was happening in the one-on-one battles of Shrine Bowl week, but he has the size to make up for it, and he's certainly athletic. But, again, it's a deep receiver class in a way. And in the NFL, a lot of teams are going to feel that a receiver is not a necessity, especially if you have an elite quarterback. You want to get a good one, though, obviously. But you can get a good one in later rounds. It doesn't have to be early. The Pittsburgh Steelers for 15, 20 years have been getting solid receiver production year after year through the draft. And almost always in the later rounds, Antonio Holmes, I believe, the the only first-round pick or early-round pick in that last decade or so. And there's a lineage of great receivers they've been able to, to use, not all for long periods of time, but all through the draft. And look at the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl this year. Tyreek Hill gone in Miami. You got Patrick Mahomes still. They're still in the Super Bowl. They're right back there as where they were with Hill. So you want to have a great elite receiver, sure. Are you going to pay him forever? Probably not. Can you win without him? Yeah. Can you do it with an elite quarterback or even above average quarterback? Certainly. And I think teams are realizing this. So will that will that hurt receivers draft positioning? We'll see. They're always taken. They're going to be taken in the first three rounds. I don't know if it, I don't think Bryce falls in that neighborhood. But Bryce, I think he did himself a service in general in his game during Shrine Bowl week. While I feel Dante still has really propelled his stock and may actually up around, certainly get drafted by what happened in the Shrine Bowl, unless something really craters during the combine and we get to really see his numbers on tape. Bryce Ford Wheaton got to learn a lot and go through a lot that he hadn't had to deal with before during his college career. Again, press man, elite corners an advanced route tree that he said he hadn't hadn't had to deal with, that didn't know, but learned from his peers. A.T. Perry, Zay Flowers, helping teach him that route tree, and he learned, and he was picking it up. He was running those routes. Again, the ball didn't go to him, but maybe they wanted him to learn it. I don't know. But again, he got a deep ball look during the Shrine Bowl game. Didn't come up with it, but it was a a pretty tight defense, and I don't think that was on him. That was just a, a hard ball to catch. He had a chance at it, though, so maybe an elite receiver would have came up with it. That might be a ding on him. But it was in his direction, and it was from the work he put in at practice. If he would have made that catch, that really would be a nice feather in his cap. A couple targets, I believe, actually, during the Shrine Bowl. And he did not He did make a catch, so that's a benefit. He did make a catch in the Shrine Bowl. And again, we're looking at a field goal-filled Shrine Bowl, by the way, for anyone who isn't aware, didn't read any covered and didn't watch an NFL network or wasn't in Vegas for whatever reason. 12-3. 12-3. So it's all field goals. Nobody got in the end zone. No one's throwing for 300 bills here. No one's getting a thousand, getting a hundred receiving yards, a hundred rushing yards. Back, I believe, did get 60. Someone else with 40. Like, you know, it's one of those games. Pretty sloppy, boring, low scoring. No one could celebrate with the kids. The whole point is celebrating with the kids. They're going to put the flags in the pockets and let you celebrate with the children. Didn't happen. Didn't matter. They didn't get in the end zone. Points were were definitely, uh, you know, hard to come by. So a, a field goal kicker, a kicker, <laughs> Moody from Michigan ended up being the MVP of, with four field goals. So what does that tell you? So because of that, knowing all that, Bryce to get a catch and a few targets and gain some yards, that's nice. Although the deep ball maybe would have changed things. I was early in the game that could have changed dynamics. He didn't come up with it, but did get one his way after not getting that many looks at balls earlier the week in practice, but had to deal with a lot that he wasn't familiar with, and I think he performed well. I think Bryce Wheaton did well under the circumstances, and he also, you got to give it to him, to admit he hadn't dealt with press man, 
you know, some might shake their head and say, hey, I'm concerned about the next level, but he's he's going to admit that, he's going to learn that, and he's going to get ready now, and he'll obviously have the combine as well to try to show what he really can do athletically and what I'm saying about him getting separation and beating the man and showing his speed, athleticism, et cetera. We'll see what he puts on tape and what his numbers are if you really care about those. And for a receiver, they're going to care. Not for, you know, QB they may not, but for a receiver, they'll care. So a lot of receivers in the draft, there always are. Teams probably feel they can win without an elite one. You know, there's always going to be receivers that teams are going to be able to grab. There always are going to be receivers that are going to come out every year. There always will be receivers that are available. That's all making it hard on receivers in this draft in particular without maybe a real legit name receiver, but some depth still there. Certainly some really, really good ones that are above Rice. I have no idea where he'll go in the draft. I would assume he'll get drafted. But again, he didn't have the popping season that many thought he should have had or could have had. Nobody on the team really did, and it didn't help him at all. But he handled himself as well as you can ask for in Vegas for the Shrine Bowl. And he knew the experience. Letty Brown told him about the experience, he said. So he, he was able to know a little about the experience. But he, I think he learned things that he wasn't expecting to learn, again, about coverage, about facing those elite corners that say what you want about the Big 12. He thinks he wasn't dealing with before because, again, defense isn't really the, the thing that carries the day for the Big 12. So facing those SEC corners, that was helpful to Bryce. Moving forward, making him better as a player, regardless of the draft. Now, again, Mike Ostier, WV Sports Now. Definitely, I do see some of you watching along here and nothing really of note as question-wise or chat-wise. So I'm still giving my takes. I certainly will chat along and will answer questions and talk to you if you jump do jump in there. But wanted to offer something nonetheless. Without much chat activity here, I may offer another one later in the week. But again, find our cover, WV Sports Now, on Twitter at WV Sports Now. Myself at Mike Osti 11. Again, my podcast, Mike Drop Throughout Believe Network, all where all over the place and everywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, etc. And then we're gearing up for another basketball game coming up as well. So we'll have your covers there of the Mountaineers next opportunity at trying to land yet another conference win because they do need more of them. But sticking to my time in Vegas. So it wasn't just about the Shrine Bowl. It wasn't just about now former Mountaineers who are looking to make their name in the National Football League and about looking to get their dream fulfilled and get to the NFL and get that chance. Dante Stills brought us for Wheaton in terms of Mountaineers. They were in the Shrine Bowl. They were practicing all week long. They were getting to know each other, getting to know their peers, talking to NFL scouts and coaches, people like myself in media, and got to play a game. The West won, by the way, if it matters, and it, doesn't really. But there also was another event at the end of that week in Las Vegas. So more going towards the weekend, a Thursday to Sunday situation there. Some events as well, the Pro Bowl games. So unlike years past where it was in my childhood, where it was a Pro Bowl, usually in Hawaii, and it's just a game that nobody cared about, that they're playing, and sometimes people actually would get hurt, but they're not really trying to play defense. The game didn't matter, and All-Star games shouldn't and usually don't, except for Major League Baseball's weird period where the winner got home field and in the playoffs and how much that sucked, but shouldn't matter. Usually don't matter. I get it, but they did it for so many years after the Super Bowl. It was just, okay, we're done. Super Bowl champions been crowned. We're done with the season. No one's watching. They then did it before grabbed a little bit more people, a little bit more people because you haven't checked out on 
the NFL yet. And not to say football is not a year-round business. Obviously, everyone's very in, in tune with the NFL year-round. You know, it's being covered year-round. It's a year-round thing. Going in the draft, it's it's the top dog. It's a powerhouse. It's a behemoth. It's the evil empire, and it will go year-round. So it doesn't matter in terms of games when they're played with interest, of course. People care about the NFL year-round more now than even then. But even then, they did too. But it's a game that doesn't matter. So a game that doesn't matter, especially when now you have other leagues and at least those games will matter, people would rather worry about the NFL draft than, say, the Pro Bowl. And that's still the case, really. But now they moved into the Pro Bowl games. So Geno Smith didn't just get a regular game out there. He had events. He had celebrity games. He had precision passing. He, he had the precision passing challenge that he was a part of earlier in the week. And then there was a series of flag football games, a part of the Pro, Pro Bowl games, with other events included as well on that Sunday. And I was there for that. I was there for everything. Didn't get to cover it as in depth because I was still covering the Shrine Bowl, which was the number one priority, but did go to the Pro Bowl games. It was Geno's first crack at it. So I don't think Geno cared whether or not you have one game that no one cared about, where you're putting pads on, where you're playing flag football, whether it's precision passing, whether it's a challenge, whether it's a game, whether there's one of three games or he's the premier game. Doesn't matter. He did get to start the first one, though. Definitely think he had the best season of the NFC guys out there, so it made some sense. Goff and Cousins, the others. And they, by the way, certainly Goff, that, you know, deserving of being there, certainly if you're going to talk about, and, you know, Hurts obviously not going to be playing in the Pro Bowl. But he was the premier guy. They treated him as such. He had the first go around as a starting quarterback for the NFC in that flag game and threw five touchdowns. So three in the first half, a couple more in that second half, led the NFC to a victory. Geno managed it at the end, had to leave him on a comeback drive, what he did most of this past season as well. And the passes are right on the money as they've been most of the special season for Geno. So he looked good in the flag game, got to have some fun. The game didn't matter. But it, again, the NFC did win it, by the way. So he was on the winning team, individually speaking, in his game, but then overall in total points with the way they did it. And they added up. The, the flag games, the other events, et cetera, move the chains was a challenge that was involved. Cam Hayward and his team in the AFC did win that, but the NFC won overall. So Gino looked really good amongst his peers. He looked like he definitely fit in. He looked like he's going to have another great season. I see no reason why there's a dip. He looked like the guy that had a great first 12 weeks before he dipped a little bit at the end of this past NFL season. But I also got to talk with him on, you know, just his journey. And, you know, he wasn't surprised. He always believed in himself. You've heard that before. You know, he's waiting for people to write, you know, never, no one wants to write back, even though uh, they're writing him off. Um, he's not going to write back on them in terms of agreeing to be written off. And he always stayed true. I actually also would recommend and They don't need me to promote this, obviously. But Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, Shannon Crowder, they do a great job on the pivot. They had Gino on recently. So I would watch that. I watch a lot of it. And that was much more about maybe a journey that you're not aware of, of him being an artist and getting to West Virginia when he was a Florida product and having to hone his craft as an artist and trying to become a great artist initially well before football just to beat out his sister who was so good at everything all the time. And then it leads him into football and he believes football is an art. And that was just a fantastic interview they did with him, as they do with most. But Number one, he believes in the Mountaineers, so that I did take that away. And who knows how much he's really paying attention. But a lot of former alums and former players have been very free to say they don't like what's going on. He did say he's belie he believes in who's there. They're going to turn it around, and he's still a fan of the program. Tells me he still follows and pays attention to the program when he can. You you know, take that for what you will. 
Um, I, its comments weren't in depth by any means. It does look like it. They do look like maybe a guy who's not following along as maybe you would think. I'm going to be honest, but he did say he, he he's fine with the program so far. He believes in Neil Brown and company. He believes in what's going on there and does those things. They can turn it around. So I did ask him about that. But we have the interview. It's brief, of course, on, on our channel and also WVSN. But just kind of, I also asked him what was interesting that I've covered this and I knew this. And not only was he having a great year and, and it dipped at the end. Yes, it did. But he still got them into the postseason. But there was a while that, again, as I mentioned earlier, he tied an NFL record for efficiency of consecutive weeks within one season. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, now Geno Smith, 11 in a row. They're the three guys in NFL history that have done this for 11 straight weeks. And that is with a 60% completion percentage and 80-plus quarterback rating in the same games. So every game, 80-60, all the way through 11 weeks. And that's not out of this world, by the way. He finished the season with well over 100 rating and 80 ratings, you know, about average. And 60, it's a nice bar, but elite QBs are certainly better. He put over 70% and 100 throughout his season. So Geno finished the year completing about 70% of his passes, and well over 100 in a QB rating. So if you want to say, well, that's not an impressive record, first off, nobody else ever in the history of the game, including Brady, Montana, Marino, Roger Staubach, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning. Well, I'm sorry, Peyton Manning has done it. Whoever else you want to mention, no one besides Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers did this. And now, Geno. So it just means consistent efficiency, consistent efficiency. You can have better numbers, but he never had a bad one in terms of efficiency in those 11 weeks. And he finished the year with 4,000 plus passing yards, 30 touchdowns through the air, also one on the ground, a quarterback rating of well over 100, securely plus 100, and around 70% in terms of completing his passes. Got his team into the postseason. They weren't supposed to be there. They did get a wild card berth, thanks to Geno Smith, who also became a leader of that team. Everyone I talked to with the Seahawks, who also was there, they all won him back. I actually even said to someone, I won't say who, but Geno, and we put this on the site, he's so vocal about feeling good and wanting to be back there, and they believed in him and doing them a service by coming back, et cetera, that I feel like he's going to lowball himself, and they're just going to feel like well, he's coming back no matter what. He might be able to get value elsewhere, although he is older. It did take him 10 years to get to this point in the NFL. And it's too late to really put together some type of Hall of Fame career or something wild. He's not going to be the next Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers, obviously, in terms of efficient, great quarterback play for a long period of time. But for 11 straight weeks within one season, only the two of them, those two legends, those two Hall of Famers, were able to put up that type of efficiency streak in the NFL the Geno Smith did, and with the overall gaudy numbers of the yards, the TDs, everything you'd want, whether you want to go analytics, when you want to go eye test, whether you just want to go the traditional yards and TDs, and that's all I care about. The interceptions, by the way, were also down. He did it all. And it was his first Pro Bowl. He was having some fun. Uh, you know, it was it was infectious a little bit and the fun Geno Smith was was having. He really, really was having some fun. I don't think he would have cared if you're playing football with pads on, a flag game, or tiddlywinks. He's a Pro Bowler. He's out there with the best. He's one of the best. He's being called one of the best. He's being treated like one of the best and, in fact, was treated like the best of the NFC quarterbacks, if not all of them. I could certainly say he had the best season out of all of them that were there, by the way. 
Because again, you know, obviously Allen didn't go, Patrick Mahomes and her, <laughs> and they're playing in the Super Bowl, so they're not going to be there. But who was there? But I think it was it was able to be a situation for Geno that he was really able to to enjoy. Obviously, winning a championship and having a Kurt Warner story out of nowhere and doing it, or Brady out of nowhere getting an opportunity his first year as a starter, winning a championship and embark on the greatest career of all time. Obviously, that would be the Cinderella story that you'd really want to put on the Disney movie. That explanation born in the Disney movie is if Gino could lead his team to the postseason and then win a championship or at least get there. That didn't happen. They flamed out in the first round, and everyone thought they were going to. They didn't get to go anywhere. They lost to the Niners, a much better team, and they barely got in. But they did get in, by the way. But he stabilized his career. He saved his career. He showed what he really, really can do when a team does believe in him. I think he's going to make him some money. He'll be able to stick around and maybe be able to do it again. And he really enjoyed himself. So if you can't get that postseason run, that Cinderella story in that postseason run, doing it in the Pro Bowl, getting that recognition off the great year you had. And I feel like myself and others, we shed some light on it. So people that just, okay, Gino, good year, hadn't been a starter for in a while, eh, happy for him. No, it was really an historic season for a long period of time. It was a great year, individually speaking, maybe one of the better years in the history of the franchise that has had Hall of Fame quarterbacks play there. One of the better years we've seen in the NFL in a while. Not MVP by any means, but a good, solid, great season. Really efficient as well as with the yards and historic for a while. So anyone who didn't get that, doesn't grasp that, that's on him brought to light. And I think Gino appreciated that. I think he realized that. I think he finally put that into perspective himself because he's probably not thinking it while he's in it, kind of what he told me as well. So talking to him was fantastic as well. I hadn't seen him in a while in terms of face-to-face. I wanted to cover one of his games, by the way. We were covering so much at WBSN, but it's hard, obviously, in Seattle. and They, they eventually got in, but playing San Fran. So did the Pro Bowl thing, was already in Vegas. It made some sense to cover that. And and it, it was a great day, a great weekend, a great few days for Geno Smith. And hopefully for him, he's able to carry that on and do it again next year. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I would be surprised. And I, who knows if it's going to be as historic of a season. I don't think he's going to be arguing for an MVP award for a few weeks like he was early this past season. But I probably won't write that article again. Uh, saying he goes back to Seattle, I think he'll still be, you know, he'll still be good. I don't know if that team's ready to go anywhere. Uh, the team might regress, but certainly if they lose others. I don't, I'm not picking that team to go. That's why I maybe would think maybe going somewhere else actually could help him individually. But he's in a system that works for him. He's with a coach that believes in him, and it just worked. So I can understand not wanting to rock the boat too. But Gino, individually speaking, he's spinning it. He has a spiral in him. I mean, it just looks different. It looks crisp. It looks like it did at WVU when he was winning the Orange Bowl. And it didn't look like that with the Jets. It didn't look like that with the Giants whenever he was in. It looks like that now. And it started looking like that when he was in for Russ and became a starter and got spotty starts with the Seahawks, actually covered him against the Steelers a couple years ago. And then it really looked like that throughout training camp this past year and all of this past season. So there's no reason why Gino doesn't do it again, but a great time catching up with him at the Pro Bowl and a great experience for him to put that explanation point on a fabulous remarkable season for him as well. That'll do it for this Mountaineer Live chat kind of, but Mountaineer Live take edition of Mike Drop here on WVSN. So again WV Sports Now for all of our West Virginia cover, WVSportsNow.com at WV Sports Now on Twitter and on social. WV Sports Now here on the channel. Down below, hit that subscribe button. Myself, Mike Osti, 11, down there in lower third. Yep, down there in lower third. Hit that 
follow button or at least hit me up there. I'll talk to you there if we didn't do it here in the chat session. And I will maybe offer more of these in the future, one later in the week. I'm lagging. I'm tripping over myself. I need to go to bed. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make up enough hours. I had to get up with the baby today. It's been a long, feels like two, three weeks. It was only nine, nine, now 10, 11 days, but it all blends together. I forgot what day it was there. The schedule was the same and it was a lot. I, I might actually be more awake if I was just over there in Vegas and just playing slots and blackjack and, and, and having my fun in the nightlife. Instead, all, all the work I put in, it, it does tire you out and the travel also can too but nonetheless back in the swing of things here for wv sports now so wanted to talk about the, what i saw on the shrine bowl wanted to talk about the experience with gino and others at the pro bowl how cool that was for him what i did see dante really really standing out personality wise great player picking up his game learning from coaches nfl teams and scouts are impressed with him they're asking about dante's skills i think he was a standout guy that really maybe earned himself some money and draft stock and draft capital from his time at the Shrine Bowl, I think he enjoyed himself as well, has the right mindset, and he can he can do it. He, he can win those one-on-ones. He learned how to win those one-on-ones as the week went on, and doesn't matter where he'll fit in. He'll fit in somewhere, and he'll make a team, and he'll perform. I truly believe that in Dante Stills. And Bryce learned about press man, faced better corners than what he faced in college, faced tougher Defenses overall got some looks, was able to be mature, even though the ball wasn't always coming to him, showed his ability as a blocker, showed the speed, was able to get separation, was able to get open, even if the ball didn't go there, handled himself well as well. It's a deep receiver class. There are others that are ahead of him. You can always get a receiver, but he has the ability, despite his numbers not popping this past season, and that was partly due to other circumstances not on him too. He's shown he can be a number one, at least at the college level. We'll see where he fits at the NFL level, but it definitely wasn't a negative for Bryce for Wheaton. And he learned things, even if it didn't help the draft stock. I think learning press man there, if he didn't go there, when would he learn press man if he didn't know it prior? So getting that over with and and performing well, given the circumstances, at least what you see with your eyes, even if it's not on the stats, that was important. So it was great for me to see him deal with press man there and see him beat it and see him get open, even though he didn't always get the football. So that was a positive for him. And again, Give it a clap for Geno Smith on, on what he was comeback player of the year and pretty much everywhere that, that, that gives the award. And it's a lot of places. They're giving it to him now, giving it to him this year. I'd imagine he's going to get the Associated Press version. He's going to get the NFL's official comeback player of the year award. Hadn't been a full-time starter since 2014. Puts up historic numbers, leads the team to the postseason, starts all the games, ends up becoming the leader, probably getting a new contract and doing it for years to come. That's the Geno Smith story in 2022. Nobody expected it, and it ended in 2023 in the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.